Super Talk Mississippi media production. What if everyone was turning their head to look at you with a brand new Flowmaster exhaust system from Exhaust Pro in Macomb on Georgia Avenue? Cruise in style with Exhaust Pro of Macomb on Georgia Avenue. What's up on a Friday? I'm Brian Scott Riffey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday, October 24th, 25th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Lied to you about the intro one more time. I'm on Skype. <laughs> I am off work today. Uh, I took a vacation day on this bye week, obviously. Not a whole lot going on. So I'm not in the studio, so we're recording over Skype, so there's no way. I guess I could have added it in, but I don't have like the equipment or any of that stuff. So one more time, we'll start fresh next week. With the ba- brand new intro, um, it's Mailbag Friday. It's a people's holiday. What's uh, We got your questions. Really don't have a ton else to get to after that. We don't miss not having a game. We talked to Matt Luke on Wednesday, and we also spoke with, ooh, I don't even remember. I'll have to look that up. Grant, but Grant anyway, Tisdale. yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was Grant Tisdale. So I got into that some. So we'll get into that, kind of see where it takes us. What's up? Not much. Not much. It is uh... – it is, it, it is certainly a bye week. There is not much to discuss outside of uh, Grant Tisdale's press conference. Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot to that either. I think the whole thing lasted like a minute and 45 seconds. Maybe maybe it was two minutes. I'll have to go back and look at my recording, but not a whole lot there. Not really a whole lot you can ask him other than like – because, I mean, if you ask him like, hey, when are you entering the transfer portal? Like, one, we're never getting him again, and two, you're probably going to get like scolded, which yeah. not a huge deal either way, but when you have to work with – you know, all of this on a daily basis, it makes things a little more difficult, but I don't know. I thought he gave some decent insight. We'll get to that in a second. I'm pretty sure there are a couple of questions because I've gotten like six this week about Tisdale and why he doesn't play and all that jazz. So I guess we'll just get to that whenever the first one fires away. Um, but yeah, I'm in scenic Monroe, Louisiana. It is raining <laughs> outside. There is a, uh, not a whole lot going on. My girlfriend's in grad school here. Not any coffee shops you say? No, they're 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 not any like close enough by to where it was like worth making the trip. After I got like a fourth of a mile down the road, I was like, all right, this is, or I say a fourth of a mile, probably about two miles, and I was like, all right, screw this. So now I'm sitting in the living room. Uh, this is an off day for me, so I'm probably just gonna scream no days off at my girlfriend all day uh, after we get done recording this. You know, normal stuff. So with human beings stuff is monroe like bigger than oxford I've, i don't guess i've ever been to monroe yeah i mean it's bigger than oxford because it's got monroe and then west monroe is across the bridge i don't really know what river is across the bridge but it's definitely bigger than oxford but aside from that on the scale of like things to do not a whole lot not a whole lot here uh neil mccready <laughs> knows all about monroe and you know it's two restaurants and stuff like that so anyway um yeah so i mean it's i mean it's not terrible but i would not want to uh probably would not want to go to school here it is not it's different than like an sec college town for sure i guess let's just get right into it if matt let's see trying to make sure i have the first one if matt luke returns to 2020 will six and six satisfy the fans no but he'll keep his job (sighs) six and six in 2020 i guess it would depend on who his boss is and how that happens man i i don't I'll be honest. I don't ever see a scenario where Ole Miss fires a coach for making a bowl game. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's what I was saying. I, I don't know. It would depend on how he did it. I guess it would be easier if he didn't. I don't know. I mean, they're probably going four and eight or five and seven this year. And so there is if they make a bowl game next year, that's going to be seen as progress, even though obviously very small incremental progress. Uh they don't have the 2020 football schedule on the website. I don't know why that is. They just changed the 2020 football schedule yesterday. Yeah. Uh, they added UConn instead of Middle Tennessee. I mean, it's a, they traded a win for a win. Yeah, I mean, UConn's terrible. Randy Edsel gets, like, all these weird bonuses, like if his team scores first or if he allows, like, under 900 yards of offense in a game and uh, all kinds of weird stuff. They're not very good. Uh, I'd say that lately. They're terrible. That sounds like just like live betting a game, but you actually have like bonuses on yourself. Yeah, like, I actually oh, hate that brought this. We were talking about this yesterday I'm on the never radio show. Ever. Yeah, 
hey dad brought that to our attention yesterday and like we started looking up the weird bonuses and that's what i said after he said if the team scores first it's like well why in the world would you ever defer to the second half which i guess <laughs> they don't really do that much and then there's all these other kinds of weird bonuses that you wouldn't see i'm pulling up the 2020 schedule it's baylor yeah i don't know about that loss Semo win auburn loss at lsu loss Alabama, that's Ball. three in a row. So you're one and four out of the gate if you don't beat Baylor. Holy yep. cow. Yep. At Vandy, win. Probably, but Vanderbilt kind of regularly gives Ole Miss a dose of what their program actually is. When Ole Miss let's is good, they beat for, Vanderbilt. Let's just for the sake of this argument say win. I guess so. Florida at home, loss. UConn, win. At Texas A&M, loss. At Arkansas, win. Georgia Southern and State. So it's conceivable he could start out two and five and make a bowl game, right? I mean, I guess, but you already have, like, if you're talking about, like, losses that you think are pretty much pegged guarantees, I guess Baylor's no guarantee, but, like, the way they're playing right now, let's just say you've got three in the first month, then Alabama, then Florida. You've got five losses by October 17th, and you're having to navigate this stretch at UConn off week. At Texas A&M, at Arkansas, Georgia Southern, Mississippi State, you've got to navigate that stretch at five and one. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if they ended the year three and zero. Um, so if they go into it three and six, um, there's a shot to get to six and six. I, I mean, honestly, think- they're going to have to find a way to beat Auburn or Baylor. Is the way this is going to have to go? Well, are they? I mean, if you beat uh, what Vandy, UConn, and Semo, uh, I mean, you could win the last three, can you not? Yeah, but with the position you're in with the guy that didn't hire you, if you start off one and four and the four losses aren't particularly close, are you surviving that? Oh, no, that's certainly fair. Um, yeah, could, could there be a change midseason? Sure. Uh, but on the premise of this argument, I was just thinking that he got all the whole year, um, which that's kind of that leads into another discussion about. I mean, this year, if, if you let him have all of next year, it's very possible that they back into six wins and, and there's not that much improvement. But you can't make a change at Ole Miss if somebody goes six and six. Yeah, but like if Arkansas fires their coach and gets someone's confident in there, a Saturday, November 14th game, home game, where that guy's trying to build some momentum as a program, there's a scream automatic win. Like, no, I think assuming Arkansas is bad as they currently are is probably kind of foolish. Well, I mean – I get what you're saying, but I, I think Arkansas firing Chad Morris would be such a mistake because, and here's why, you've got Brett Bielema, so you've got two transition classes from Bielema to Morris, uh, Bielema to Morris, and now you're going to have another one? Like, good God, at some point, somebody's got to have some stability there, and you're just running your program in the ground. Yeah, but it's not that hard to go 4-8 and eight in the modern-day scheduling area. Like, 2-10, two 2-10 and ten, two and ten is absurd, no matter who's playing. Oh, yeah, if they- I were one of his offensive linemen, he should be better than 2-10. and ten. <laughs> Like, it's really not that hard to go 4-8. and eight. What are they right now? Are they, like, 2-7 and seven or something? Arkansas is... This is great podcasting. Let's see. I believe they're two and six. I think that's right. Okay. Because most nope. teams, Ole Miss has one of the latest bye weeks. Uh, they'll be no, two, two and, and five. They're well, two and five. Six on Saturday. Yeah, so they'll be two and six after Saturday. So they, I guess they've already had both their bye weeks. Seven games. How many has Ole Miss played? Uh, eight. Okay, so maybe not. So they yeah. have Arkansas, Mississippi, or Arkansas has Missouri, Mississippi State, uh, LSU, and I guess another uh, non-con. That they've got to, you, you, you've got to think that if they don't win the Mississippi State game or maybe the Missouri game, there's no way he survives, right? That's what I'm saying. This is not that hard to go four and eight in this modern day. I mean, he lost to San Jose State. Yeah. Like, this is not that difficult. I mean, he beat Portland State by a solid touchdown. Like, <laughs> a whole touchdown. They've got Western, they've got Alabama State, then Western Kentucky and LSU. Point being, it's not that hard to go four and eight, but like back to the original point, does six and six save him? Yeah, probably, but I would say it'd be exponentially harder to get to six and six with next year's schedule than this year's. They had plenty of opportunities to get to six and six this year, and they just didn't do it. Yeah. Um, next year's schedule is way more difficult. Yeah, you're getting handed four losses before uh, three weeks before Halloween. Like, you'll have five before Halloween. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and that that 
you're going to get your losses accrued earlier. I don't know if I necessarily agreed that the schedule is that much tougher because, I mean, you're, you're trading Missouri on the road for Florida at home. That seems kind of like a wash to me. Uh, Vanderbilt kind of seems like a wash. Baylor, is it a wash, though, because you get seven home games and five road games where you're trading a home game that's probably a loss as opposed to a road game that you can't really get indicted for as a loss? I'm not even sure that's a wash. What are you talking about Vanderbilt? No, 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 Florida. Like, like Missouri, having them as one of your five road games, yeah, whatever, it's hard to indict them for that loss, but then you're going to lose one of your home games. Like, you get seven of those, and you're going to trade Florida for one, and you're probably not going to win it. I just kind of think Missouri at home and Florida, or Missouri on the road and Florida at home are about equal in the chances that you're going to win. I guess that's fair. I just think the years where Auburn and Alabama count as home games, and assuming they're like Auburn and Alabama normally are, makes it more difficult because you're getting fewer realistic opportunities to generate home wins. Because it's not like this team has been world, this program has been world beaters on the road under this under Matt Luke. Well, no, they don't. I don't. Have they won a road conference game except for Kentucky and State and Arkansas and Little Rock in that terrible yeah, rainy game last yeah, year. That's right. It was a monsoon. Um, yeah, I don't. know. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's that much tougher. I just don't. Know if frankly Ole Miss is going to be that much better next year. I mean, I, see, I, I sub, I just, I subscribe to the theory that if you get, if your home games, two of them off the bat are getting eliminated by being Alabama and Auburn, then you're, then you're, kind of in deep, deep whatever, and then like add in Florida, that's three home games that like you realistically don't really have a shot to win. I, I'm going to disagree a little bit on Florida just because. If we, we said they could win at Missouri this year, and I don't really necessarily see that as much different. Florida, I'll put it like this. Florida, to me, seems like the team that is always going to beat somebody by six to nine points or whatever because that's just kind of what Mullen does. They just kind of out-scheme you and beat you. They're not, What's crazy about Florida to me, and, and we're kind of getting off on a tangent here, is they're not overly talented to beat Florida, but they're, they're just kind of really well-coached and really disciplined and just kind of do what it takes to win. They got some dudes defensively, though. Yeah, that's true. They they got a lot of team speed defensively, but offensively, they're not that talented. Yes, yeah, so I guess to answer the question, probably six, if Matt Luke goes six and six next year, I think yeah, he's 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 a hundred percent the coach. Now, is there a possibility that Matt Luke doesn't get to finish the season next year? Oh, absolutely. I don't even know if you can say a hundred percent, just because I don't. Like it's hard to predict what someone that we don't know who's the boss going to do, who didn't hire him, what he's going to do. I'll be I shocked. Mean, anybody at Ole Miss is ever fired for making a bowl game. Yeah, well, Glenn Boyce is now the chancellor, so I guess anything can I guess, happen. Yeah, I guess anything is possible. Since Brian Haydad is known to burn one, and you feel the burn, does that make y'all dazed and confused? Oh, I got. Painted as a Bernie bro on yesterday's radio show. That's what I was wondering. Are you, are you a Bernie supporter now? I, I, I'm not not a Bernie bro, but they were certainly painting that way on the pod, on radio, which Hey Dad gets a big kick out of. And then someone sent us a plant. I guess there's a gardening show or some kind of gardening segment for our show, and they sent us a plant, and I made sure Hey Dad knew he was not allowed to smoke it. So I <laughs> guess that is his uh, – I guess that is did, uh, what he's referring to there. A, how did you get labeled a Bernie supporter? Uh, we were making a joke about how Gallo doesn't – Gallo introduced himself to me this summer after we had met no less than four times. <laughs> and so they were joking about that, and then they were like – someone on the text line asked why Gallo doesn't like me, and then hey, Dad said it's because I'm a communist. <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Hey, uh, it's not that Gallo doesn't like me. It's just this summer, like, I literally met him probably no less than four times. And he goes, have I met you yet? And I was like, I turned around. I like looked around at everyone else. I was like, I can't tell if he's joking or not. Like, I'm, And then like he stuck his hand out. And I was like, oh, this guy literally has no idea who I am. Okay. So that was interesting. Anyway, <laughs> will Tisdale play any next week if John Rice Plumley can't go? No, I do not think so. I think they – I don't know what they have to lose at this point. You, like – I mean, you can you can still play him in three more games. See, I don't understand what they're losing in seeing what they have in him, but I say no because nothing they've done in practice, nothing they've said in press conferences would suggest that they're going to even remotely consider doing that. And if you can go watch the, if you go watch the video at SuperTalk.fm of Grant Tisdale's interview yesterday or Wednesday or whatever, whatever day it was, was it was. 
I mean, it, it wasn't bad, but like you didn't get any indication that he's close to seeing the field either. I got an indication. Uh, I don't have any indication from reading body. I've got uh, I got some indication. Wait, say that again. I, I just I, it, his body language reeked of of somebody that's about to transfer. Well, I mean, sure. That's, I guess, another story for the at the end of the season. I mean, I don't think that would be necessarily surprising. I think the writing's on the wall there. But like you, that, both things could still be true. I just don't see any way that he gets into a game because they haven't shown any. They haven't shown any, like, given any indication that they, that's something they plan to do. I don't really know why. I, I don't understand what they have to lose at this point. They're not going to a bowl game. You've got three games left to play him, and I mean. Maybe he comes in against who they play, who's uh, New Mexico State. I guess you, he'd probably see action in that one, assuming they take care of business there. But I, I guess my point being is I don't understand what they have to lose in playing him in actual meaningful game action. Because if he moves the football better than the other two, then just roll with it. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't understood a lot of what they're doing at the quarterback position this year. So, uh, Well, basically what they do is they've gotten intoxicated off of Plumlee's ability to run. And have basically tried to ram that peg into the hole, not knowing whether it fits, but knowing full well that that's not a long-term solution. I don't like. There's no part of me that doesn't believe. There's no part of me that believes Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez are completely oblivious that that's not a long-term fix unless he improves dramatically throwing the ball. So I just it, it's it's behooved me how they get moved off Matt Corral so quickly, knowing that that's not a long-term fix. That's the part I don't understand about this whole thing. Yeah, I it's don't, like, what are you doing next year? You're obviously not winning football games this year. So what are you doing in terms of next year to get ready? You're playing the guy that can only run and can't throw, and everyone knows it. Why? The kid that's playing I, baseball as well? Yeah. Why? I don't like, know if hey, I... <laughs> go, go, go ahead. I was just saying, opinions aside of what you think of the two quarterbacks and who moves the ball well, I'm not going down that road again. But who gives you a better shot in 2020 and who's going to be more likely the future of your program? The two-sport kid that can't throw and is playing baseball or the kid that you spent the entire offseason painting as the face of your program? Yeah. That you moved off of after four games. I don't know if I agree that Matt Luke and Rich Rod don't think this can work. I don't think this can work, but they keep running him out there. So I think they deep down believe that at some point – this uh, this kid's going to be the future of their program at quarterback, and I don't know if I agree. Well, frankly, I don't agree, but uh, well, we'll see. We, we had Cole Kublik on the radio show on Tuesday, and Richard set up the first question basically being like, you said three weeks ago against Vanderbilt they should ride with John Rice Plumley. Uh, do you still subscribe to that, or like, do you still stand by that? And he was like, yeah. I, don't, like, I keep hearing that John Rice Plumley can't throw, and I don't understand how anyone could tell that. It's like, Dude, he's 39 <laughs> of 82. Like, he They're misses slant routes by six feet. Either. Yeah, like, I, I, I get what he's saying, and he knows more football than I do. I'm not about to pretend that. And I, I like Cole, and I think he's a smart guy. Like, but like, I, I, don't, I don't get that, that take at all. Like, what, do, what else do you want? He's 39 of 82. They're scared deathly to let him drop back and do anything other than throw a deep ball and pray he hits it on the numbers. But other than that, like, he's missing slant routes by six and seven feet. Like, what, what do you... What do you mean? He, you don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess there's no his. I guess his argument was there was no, there weren't very many straight dropbacks. But my argument in that during the commercial break was how many times has Corral just straight drop back and throw and not done the rollout stuff? Because I think that's hurt him as well. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't think they've been fair to Corral once he even gets in the game. First of all, I don't think they've been fair to him uh, with the amount that he's played. Second of all, when he gets in the game, I don't think they run offenses that are tailored to his his abilities. Um, so it's just kind of a weird situation right now. I, I'm fascinated because I don't know. I don't know how much they, they're realistically going to get out of Plumlee a week and a half after knee surgery at Auburn. Um, is he going to be at, and, and like, can he play? Sure. I'm probably, I, I bet that he could probably play, but is he going to be the same runner after he just had a knee scope? I kind of doubt that. Well, I mean, a quick, I guess a quick update on that is Matt Luke said on Wednesday that he was re- walking around and rehabbing within a couple of hours after the procedure. Um, I'm not saying your point is invalid and doesn't still stand. That's probably something I should have included, or I guess I, I, I was just pointing that out because that was a nugget in the Wednesday availability that was helpful. He did say that 
he was rehabbing a little bit after surgery and should be back at practice next week. Uh, your point's probably still valid as if he's the exact same runner. I don't know. I was just, I guess, throwing that news nugget out there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm fascinated with what they do at Auburn. Um, I, I don't really think they have much of a shot at Auburn. I hope I'm wrong, but I, it just kind of feels like a situation where they're going to get overwhelmed and going to have to throw the football to stay in the game. So I, I expect to see a lot of Matt Corral on Saturday at Auburn. I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think their defense is going to be able to keep them in the game, though, because I don't think Bo Nix is going to torch them, and I don't think Booby yeah. Whitlow is going to play. So I think the defense will give them enough chances to kind of be in it for a while, but I, I, don't, I don't see the offense moving you, the ball on Auburn's defensive front at all. If you're Ole Miss, you, what you want on Saturday, this Saturday, is for Auburn to go play well at LSU and get beat and just be hungover when they roll in there, because that, that's possible. If LSU beats them 30-27 to 27 or something and Auburn shows up for a 11 o'clock game where they're a 12-point favorite, it's possible that Auburn just kind of sleepwalks through it. You look up in the fourth quarter, oh, crap, it's a six-point game. I agree. The one counterpoint I'd make to that is either kind of games that will end up determining Gus's fate. Like, he can't afford a Tennessee game of last year and stuff like that. Not saying you're not you're wrong, but, like, at the same time, like – these are the ones that will determine his fate. But, again, if Ole Miss did pull it off, then Gus is probably – I mean, I don't say probably fired, but, man, they're really having a different conversation. I'll say but, Gus is fired. If he, loses, if he loses three in a row, Florida, uh, LSU, Ole Miss, he's done. Yeah, so I don't know. I think Plumlee should play I – mean, excuse me, I think Tisdale should play. I don't understand what they, they have to lose at this point. But, I mean, he was – he came from the number one high school football program in the country. Like it seems he, bad to piss that kid off. Well, I, I just I don't know. I think they've, like I said, I think they've gotten intoxicated with Plumley's feet. I, his speed is dynamic, but trying to make him a normal every downish quarterback seems to be a mistake. That's hurting your other two quarterbacks that are probably more likely to turn out as actual passers. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Why don't? They play fall baseball games on football game weekends. Uh, I have no clue, honestly. Well, I mean, the logistics behind that kind of seem hard. First of all, I mean, I'm sure the uh, the baseball kids want to go to the Grove and be students as well. Um, I get what you're saying from a fall perspective or from a fan perspective, but yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do anything from that realm to take away from uh, what they what they. From a football game, they play on Friday inter squads, um, but you're you're not going to see any any athletic team at Ole Miss play on Saturday at home besides the football team. Um, yeah, fair enough. I don't know. I don't really have many major thoughts on this. I guess I'll ask Mike Vianco the next time I see him. Um, that will. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be very happy to tell me why they they do the scheduling the way they do. Although, if you catch him in the off season, he's a lot more laid back and that- like. Like he explained to me, Swayze. If you, I, I think Chase might have written about this after it happened, but I probably should have at the time too. But we were sitting there one day, and we were just because Mike goes out into that home plate meeting every yeah. like the first game every series and starts like talking with his hands real animated. And one day I was just kind of like, what? Are, what exactly are you telling people in that meeting? And Swayze Field has one of the like they have some of the quirkiest ground rules yeah. that you would never expect. Like if a ball gets hit off a camera well and into in fair territory, field. it's a wow. live ball. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, the center field, right? What? So even the big camera tower in center field that is in play. That's what I was thinking. That's crazy. Yeah. So I don't remember him off the top of my head now. I already forgot. But he spent about ten minutes explaining that one day, and I was like, "This makes no sense." But I'm not going to tell him that. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. Off season, Mike is a little more laid back, but. Are peaches just suede apples? And then I have a picture of a peach. Uh, I guess you got a point there. I don't know what this is, but I'm gonna let you handle it. I, what exactly does suede mean again? Doesn't that have something to do with fashion? Man, don't ask me. Here we go. Suede. The definition of oh, shocker! It's an English alternative rock band too. Couldn't have no. guessed that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like peaches. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're from the same family as apples. I don't know if like, yo, know, one of the peach parents got like handsy with apple parents. One. I don't know how this works. I don't know. I sure they're suede apples if you want it to be. Whatever your heart believes. Yep. So. 
Let's see. What's a normal work week look like for you? Uh, it's not that interesting, Chief, but I'll, uh, I don't know. I mean, I wake up on Mondays. I do the podcast. Then we have the Monday press conference, and then I have like a two-hour-ish break until radio, and then I do radio, and then I go home, and sometimes I write, and then most of the time I'll write something on Tuesday, uh, and then go to football. I'll go to radio for the first hour, leave for football at four, go watch practice, come back for the five o'clock hour to do last hour radio, and then go back for interviews. Uh, Wednesday is so you just... Have to go, you have to go watch football practice on, on Tuesday? Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll pick and choose. Like, if there's a week where there's literally nothing for me to see, because you had the quarterback thing for like a month, basically. And But if there's a week where there's literally nothing going on and there's no one of consequence, like maybe questionable to play or not, then I'll just stay and do radio. But most of the time I try to get out there, because that's a lot of times where you can just kind of talk to people, like not even like on the record getting information or stuff, but just see people around the football program and talk to them. So like it's more of one of those types of deals as well. No, like I'll go see what's up with Siski every now and again and, and things like that. Just, you know, show your face basically. Um, but there's some weeks where I'm just like, I don't have any interest in going. Like I, I'll just stay and do radio. Anyway, Wednesday, we don't get practice, but kind of the same thing. Maybe right in the morning, then do radio. Oh, no, no do a podcast, then maybe right. And then uh, we'll do radio and then I'll go to Wednesday availability. Thursday, really not a whole lot. Like normally we're doing a radio show offsite somewhere. And then Friday, kind of the same thing, recorded the people's holiday. And then that's really about it. Then you've got game day. And then Sunday, I sit there, I ride in the morning, and then I watch seven hours of commercial-free football in the red zone. Yeah, you have one of the uh, busier workloads for uh, media members on that beat. Yeah, but I'm not writing as much now as as one is – well, there are a number of reasons for it, whether I'd go into or not go into. But two, this team's not that interesting – and so I don't think our niche is me just writing, you know, 1500 word practice notebooks and stuff, which I will from time to time. There's actual newsworthy stuff. So I'm writing less. So it's really not that bad. But yeah, like the three hours of radio mixed into covering the team like a print reporter basically is a little bit of a different schedule. But I mean, I'm not going to act like I'm doing any hard work or doing anything <laughs> like that. I'm that busy. But yes, am I probably traveling and going back and forth a little more? Yeah, probably. But yeah. That's your average work week. If you want to come watch football with me on Sundays, come on. I don't put pants on. <laughs> I bet your roommates appreciate that. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of what my week looks like, basically. Uh, that's typical football season-ish week. And then you can kind of adjust like how you would imagine with basketball and baseball. Um, my girlfriend's birthday is in two weeks. Need advice on what to grow and how to actually act like I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I heard you on that one, man. We have a certain meat sharp that's uh, here for you. So podcast brought to you by LBs. Uh, go see Greg is the, both the answer to this question and the ad read. University Avenue across from Kroger. They've got steaks. They've got custom cuts, sausages, seafood, all kinds of stuff. Go see Greg. He's got your gambling needs. You should storm in there and demand winners as well as your food. Uh, tell him I sent you to do that. And then they've got plate lunches. They've got daily specials. They've got all kinds of stuff. It's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Just that simple. So go see Greg the Meat Sharp. I don't know if he knows that I call him that, but I hope someone calls him that when they go in there after listening to this show. But because uh, does Greg know his record? I haven't talked to him this week since we uh, weren't able to no, record. He does, he, he does not know his record. Okay, so beginner's luck. We're just going to see if he if he rolls through with another winning record this week, then we're actually probably going to have to do something about that. But go see Greg, first, both for your girlfriend's birthday in two weeks. He'll definitely get you set up to act like you know what you're doing. He's got all kinds of like custom cuts. They've got daily specials. He could always work it up some kind of weird kooky sausage that tastes really good, at least the way he describes it sounds really good as well. So go see him, University Avenue across from Kroger. That is both the ad read and the answer to this question. Yeah. Why have college baseball coaches not unified to show their lack of scholarships, denies opportunities to minorities in the very marginal serve marginal service of gender equity? What? I didn't that- understand that last part. <laughs> uh, that 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 seems advanced. Wait. Oh, oh, I think he's meaning to say gender equality because, like, Title Nine, because that's probably that's why this is the case. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Uh, well, I guess to answer your question, I don't think the reason this is the case is the lack of unification from college baseball coaches. I think they're tired of screaming this into the abyss. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It's uh, it, it's a that's a long drawn out process. Yeah, I don't think it's a lack of them not being unified. I think it's them of thinking it's a lost cause. Like I think they've probably been yelling this for twenty five, thirty years, and are now just tired of yelling it. No, that, that's completely fair. Um, there, there's just not much you can do on that. I mean, you can yell and, and complain and, and moan and groan about it, but to the NCAA wants to do not do something. There's nothing you can do. I like the argument that Tony Vitello from Tennessee used last year when just talking about the ratio of coaches to players in other sports compared to baseball as far as a third assistant. Like, if you're not going to give them scholarships and you're having, like, three coaches to every, you know, 30 players or whatever it is, like, something, you got to do something there. That seems like a very... Oh, oh, it's it's absurd. Um, the the proportion, proportion grade is absolutely asinine. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's... I don't even want to get started because it, 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 it's such a failure from an NCAA perspective. Yeah, it's just weird that college baseball is the sport of all sports that kind of gets squeezed out. Um, what is your favorite episode of The Office? Oh, God. Ooh. Um, I like the one where the fire alarm goes off. I know that's like the crazy, like, mean one on the internet. Um, I like safety training. Um, I like the one where Jim basically slips in to one of Dwight's speeches, basically a, uh, of one of Mussolini's speeches. Um, I like the one where the branch is closing. I don't know. There's four for you. I, it's too hard to tell. There's too many to tell. The Office is the best TV show ever created. Not a close second. I need to. I need to watch it. I, I You've never it. seen The Office? No, I haven't. I get picked on about it. I just the the first like episode bores me, and I just when that happens, I can't keep going. No, you get three episodes into it, and it's it's the humor in it is so funny, and they don't cuss, and it's it's kind of incredible how they were able to do it. And but obviously, you know, they brought the the British show to the United States, and nobody thought it was going to work, and obviously, it turned into one of the most successful shows ever. Uh, Office is awesome. You definitely got to watch it. It's one of those things you can watch seven or eight times too, because there's so many episodes you don't really remember everything that happened anyway. So those are three of them. But I'm uh, definitely definitely big Office guy. Um, have you ever been to Blaze or Mod Pizza? If so, what do you normally put on your pizza? I've never actually even heard of those two places. I've not either. Blaze or Mod Pizza? Uh, no, I don't know. I'm a pretty bland pizza guy though. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big uh, pepperoni fan. That sounds good. Favorite fabric softener? Jesus. I don't know. Tide Pods? They taste good? <laughs> That's not fabric softener. Really. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that one. I put stuff in the washer and I put stuff in the dryer. I don't soften anything. Did, uh, so, so how long, when you, when you went to college, did it take you to wash stuff? And, and how long did it take you from like taking, taking your stuff home to your mom to wash it? I wash stuff in... Uh, and I didn't have a laundry problem. And then, like, the problem was the ones in the dorm were very sketchy and that sometimes kind of nasty. So I would, like, go to a buddy's, like, condo. Or my parents had an apartment near a football season, so I'd mostly do laundry there. But once that got – like, they only had it for football seasons. After that, I'd try to hold out as long as I could. But I don't <laughs> know. I never minded washing laundry. It was just mostly using the ones in the dorm and getting the quarters together and all that was the biggest pain in the ass. But, like, once I got, like, a house or whatever, doing laundry is not really an issue for me. Oh, well, that's nice. Um, who do you want as Ole Miss head coach? I don't. I I'll give you some. I guess I don't know how to answer that one. Like I I don't know. I I don't even know who they'd go after because I don't know when they're going to make a head coaching change. Like that seems very premature. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Willie Fritz would be talked about. Bill Clark would be talked about. Uh, Mike Leach would be a pipe dream because people don't want to hire him. Um, I'm just trying to think. I, I think I'd like, like to cover Houston Nutt. I feel like Rob that I wasn't able to do that. God. Uh, Willie Fritz and Bill Clark would be certainly uh, the 
in the top realm of candidates. I would I would try to see about Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, uh, see what his interest is. Um, There's another Dave in the state of North Carolina that flirted with it. Yeah, yeah. And if you're being flirted, you mean take took the job, then yes, there is. Um, but yeah, I, I think Dave Clawson, Willie Fritz, and uh, and and Bill Clark would be my first three. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I don't know. I don't care. I hope they're always uh I hope they're easy to deal with from a media standpoint. Other than that, we're all good. Why does Matt Luke use get to use the time and rebuild excuse when Freeze and Nut turn three and nine and two and ten into nine and four and seven and six? I realize the NCAA crippled the program, but there isn't time isn't there a time where that excuse is put to rest? Look. I guess, but the like Free, like there was some defensive talent when Freeze took over for Nut, and then obviously Nut took over a ridiculous uh, yeah. cupboard of talent. Uh, this, Coach or- uh, Ed Orgeron was, for all of his flaws, he was a good recruiter. He just had no idea what to do with the, the players when he got there. So Nut takes over a program littered with pros. I mean, they're still they're guys still in the league from those first two Houston Nut teams on Ed or- that were recruited by Ed Orgeron. Like comparing those two situations is completely apples to oranges. I mean, you're talking yeah. the amount of talent that Matt Luke was working with as opposed to Houston Nut his first two years is 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 the the gap between those two is so far it's it's hard to describe. And yeah. I'm with you. Two um, on, on the other side, Freeze had some defensive talent. Freeze took advantage took advantage of a friendly first-year schedule. They had no injuries on the offensive line. They got fairly fortunate, and he wasn't dealing with NCAA sanctions. And three, everyone has this opinion of Hugh Freeze. We were talking about this the other day. If Hugh Freeze hadn't been fired in the summer of 2017, going in that football season, people would have such a different opinion of Hugh Freeze. You realize he was going to crater your program. They were yeah, going 4-8 in the 2017 season after 5-7. and seven. Yeah, Hugh Freeze I, was I, going, going 4-8 and eight with that team. It's, yeah, it's it's non-debatable. I don't I don't disagree with that part at all. I do think that Freeze deserves a little more credit for for going seven and six that first year um, after they went two and ten because I don't actually think that team was very talented. Look, was I mean Sanquez Golson didn't even play much in 2012 because he wasn't ready to play. Cody Pruitt was a good player, um, but I, I that's a fair question to me about you know why was. Why was Freeze able to go seven and six in his first year, and Luke has struggled uh, to to get to you know six wins um, in his first two years? I, I don't think that's necessarily. Well, would Freeze have done it with fifty scholarship players in a bowl band? No, but I think he would have by year two. I think in year two he's going at least six and six. That's fair. So Matt Luke's probably going what five and seven? Yeah, I, I mean and. I mean, we can, you know, is six and six, five and seven really that big of a difference? Probably not. But, I mean, the perception around it is, um, I mean, one's going to a bowl game and one's not. Yeah, but this idea that Hugh – what drives me insane about that is Hugh Freeze had seen out the 2017 season. He was going four and eight. The 2018 season would have been worse, and he would have raided the program into the ground. So, basically, like, Matt Luke was left in charge of minimizing the effects – of a nosedive that Hugh Freeze had already initiated the first year and a half. Sure. 2017 but, and 2018, even though this year, the, the NCAA, you're, you're paying the NCAA tab right now. But like, was, was, was Hugh Freeze not in control of, I mean, do, with that, with a program that Nutt had kind of cratered? Because when Nutt left, it was, it was a program that had very minimal talent, and a lot of talent was in academic uh, limbo. When he got here, so I, I mean, I think Freeze kind of took over a precarious situation too. That's fine, but it wasn't as bad. You're not having an NTA investigation. You have way more scholarship players, and you had more talent on the defensive side of the ball. So you're talking about a game difference sure, in year but two. You had, you had more talent on the offensive side of the ball when Luke took over than than Freeze did. And he had Freeze's coordinators. I don't think <laughs> that ruined the talent. Sure, but you, he kept the coordinator too. Now, like. <laughs> I know that's board- fine, but that's hard to fault him for that because they just got in the job the year prior. Yeah, the it's- six and six helped him get them the job. Like I don't think they're comparable scenarios at all. You don't think that the 2018 Ole Miss football team, from a talent perspective, is comparable to the 2012 team? 
It is sure, but when you're talking about building the program, the 2017 class that was Hugh Freeze's that Matt Luke had to basically finish off for 2016, whatever 2017, whatever it is, like Hugh Freeze didn't have that to work with. Didn't have a bowl band. Didn't have 50 scholarship players. Like that's it's it's t- those are not comparable situations in my opinion. I just think from a talent perspective, this year's team and the 2012 team are uh, certainly comparable. I, I guess, but that not not everyone on the that side of the ball contributing is 18 years old. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think it's – I think it goes deeper than bad luck than Matt Luke is – that is, he's going to go five and seven. I'm not saying that it is just bad luck, but comparing the two situations is not – like I, I don't think that's a smart argument. I'm not saying that they're, they're not able to, but like like the, the situations both of them took over and both of them were dealing with in the first year compared to Matt Luke are not remotely sure, similar. they're different situations, but the talent is not that much different. I mean, if we go and figure up recruiting rankings for the four classes on Ole Miss's team right now and the four classes on Freeze's team, I don't really think they're that dissimilar. That's fine, but the the, the recruiting talent is not the only thing you're talking about here, though. Like, like, what if you Freeze had come come in and they're in a half-field stadium, they can't go to a bowl game, and he's got 50 scholarship players? You think that's six and six? No, but throw last year out because they don't have 50 scholarship players right now. Screw 2018. From a talent perspective, is the 2019 Ole Miss Rebels really that much different from the? I'm not saying that you're. I'm not saying that's that's that that then, much then different. What, then what's the difference? You're talking about the first year. You're ta- he said three and nine into nine and four and seven and six. You're talking about the first right. year of their in charge of the program. Sure. sure. So the 2018 <laughs> team was Matt Luke's first year in charge of the program. 2018. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that. My question would be now, uh, go feeding off of that question. Why was Freeze able to go seven and five in his in his second year and have the program going towards an upward project trajectory and Matt Luke is not? Because he, you're like because you're back at eighty five scholarships for the first time this year, so all of these kids are freshmen sophomores. Hugh Freeze didn't have the benef- I didn't have the detriment of a twenty seventeen class where you're getting absolutely no contributions. Yeah, the talent wasn't that great, but he still had plenty of contributors that he did not recruit that stuck with him all the way through the twenty fourteen season even. Sure. I, I just I think that Matt Luke should probably win more football games than what he's done. I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm just saying both of those those situations to me are not comparable. And this idea that Freeze was some magician for getting to seven and six, it was this exponentially like the old miss would have been better off sticking with him as the head coach is, is dumb. Like he was cratering the program into the ground. He was going four and eight and he was probably gonna be fired anyway. I don't think it was necessarily a magician type thing to go seven and six and 12. And I think it was a really good coaching job. And I think this, the, what you said is also true that he was also cratering the program. I think both can kind of be true. I think freeze kind of like Joe Madden has a shelf life at wherever he goes. Uh, it'll work for a while and then he's going to kill your program. That's fine. I just don't, the way this question is worded thing, like, well, look at what Houston Nutt and Hugh Freeze did. Why can't Matt Luke do that? I don't think that's a fair way to frame it. I'm not saying Matt Luke should win more games, but being like, look what Houston Nutt did and Hugh Freeze did in their first two years. I don't think, or in their first year, each their first year. I don't think that's comparable. I don't think that makes sense. Okay. Like, I mean, that's just completely different. Like the, the, the collective shitstorm that Matt Luke inherited when he walked in the job compared to those other two is nowhere remotely similar. I don't think that's arguable. I mean, from an NCAA perspective and a recruiting perspective, I, I don't disagree. That's a uh, big part. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. But what I'm, what I'm saying is free people kind of don't remember how bad it was when Houston Nutt left. I mean, like to the point, I, I remember being told when Nutt left, that if they had played a bowl game that year, they would have had about 30 players because all of the other kids was academically ineligible. Is it is that similar? Maybe not, but I, I think Freeze took over a team that was really, really depleted of talent in 2012, too. That's fine. I'm not saying he's not. I just – comparing those two situations and being, well, he Freeze and, and Houston Nutt got results in well, year one, I was like, Houston that's not, not really – Not at all. I mean, Houston Nutt had five-star talent all over the field. Frankly, Houston Nutt going eight and four should have been viewed as a disappointment with that group. Yeah. Anyway, uh, with Josiah Hayes dropping his commitment, what's the level of certain that Moore will follow suit? I don't know, man. Like, 
breaking news, 17-year-old kid changes mind. Like, you see it in October. Like, you see it all across the country all the time. I don't think that's indicative of any sort of trend. I think that's just people following recruiting too closely in October. Yeah, I, I, I don't know anything about recruiting. I, I, I mean, he follows up not a good time to lose a top commitment when the program is trying to build momentum. I wouldn't think. Sure, no. But this happens all the time everywhere with people. Like 17-year-old kids flip their commitments. Like, shocker. I think the way recruiting has gotten is completely stupid. So I don't think this is indicative of some larger trend. Obviously, the program is not going in a – I'd say that. Ole Miss is not winning games on the field, which has people frustrated. So they want to build off – like they want to, I guess, build up everything to be something bigger. I don't think – I mean, sure, is it him dropping his commitment a good thing for Ole Miss? No. But, like, is it indicative of some larger problem? I don't think so either. I think people are just, I don't know, hyper. Like, what does this kid end up in December? Like, I guess talk to me then is where I'm thinking, is what I'm thinking. But anyway, I don't really get too worked up about, I wouldn't get too worked up about recruiting stuff. Um, if the Ole Miss coaches were the office characters, who would they be? Oh, God. Uh, I think Richrod would be Ryan. A older version of Ryan. You'll have to take this one. Matt Luke would be Jim. He seems just very normal, very average dude. Um, Mike McIntyre would be... I don't know, Toby? And then... That's really about all I can go. There's really not a Dwight that I'm aware of on the team, so that's about as good a comparison. I give you, if you were solely in charge of finding the next offensive coordinator for this team next year, who do you hire and why? Uh, Lincoln Riley. <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going, unless Richard leaves on his own, I don't think they're going to need another offensive coordinator. Um, but, hell, I, I don't know. Um. Richard's not going anywhere. No, but like, I guess who would they hire? I, I, I couldn't begin to tell you. I don't know the oh, candidate. Hire Will. They, they would hire Will Hall at Tulane. I mean, maybe. That's who they had hired last year until some people broke in and made a decision that they weren't going to hire. Well, I don't think that was the way it was described to me because I, I, I've, I've talked to. Well, I'm not going to get into that. I, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they kicked the tires on him, they got close. Um, if you could only have your eggs one way, how would you like them cooked? I guess fried. I don't know. I like scrambled eggs too. Scrambled is the answer for me. Strange questions. Um, let's see. On Monday's podcast, you said Matt Luke was a good program manager, recruiter, and makes good hires. Thoughts on if he would make a good AD based off those statements, on those statements and his love for Ole Miss? Um, yeah, I got this question a couple times this week, I guess. Like, I guess from a, from a managing hire standpoint, I, I don't think it's very questionable that he would probably be pretty good at hiring competent people as far as everything else that goes with being an athletic director. I mean, this would never happen. This is not a realistic scenario. Would he be bad at the job? I don't know. Probably not. I think he might be okay at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ole Miss obviously can't do that. Uh, do I think he'd be an okay athletic director? Sure. Uh, but Ole Miss, again, can't do that. And I mean, if people were just suggesting Mike Bianco do it, I think this would be a better option than Mike Bianco because my theory on Mike Bianco is he treats everyone in his life like an umpire. Like at any given moment, he might kick <laughs> some dirt on you or point at your chest or something like that. He talks to everyone in his, in, in his direct orbit like they're an umpire. I don't think that would work very well for an AD job. I think Matt Luke would probably be better in that sense. Yeah, um, I never understood the Bianco AD thing. I, I don't either. Too much of a micromanager. Again, treats everyone like umpires. Like you, you, you can't, you can't, you, you can't cover dirt on home plate when some booster's like, "Hey, I want this," or like, you know, I, I, I anyway. I, I, Mike doesn't listen to our podcast. I, I don't think Mike listens to any podcast, much less our podcast. But <laughs> if you're out there, Mike, I think that's that's that's. That's what I'm. That is my theory on you. So, you got see Brian. you in the spring five. Um, so I don't know. I mean, sure, I'm Matt Oak. I think it's clear he knows how to hire competent people. I don't think him like him be he, that. This is not a realistic hire, but I guess would he be okay at the job in some aspects? Sure. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. 
this sounds like a Luke dig, but it's not. I just can't think of a better way to ask it. Luke supporters keep saying he deserves one more year because they are so close, but he might start two and five next year and have a better team this year. Are there? I don't think he'll have a better team this year. Oh, better team than this year. I got gotcha. you. Are the are the same people who are willing to give him another year going to be okay with him starting two and five? No, because people are irrational and don't think that far ahead. But I don't think that makes the fact that he deserves one more year any less true. I'm not here to tell you he does one way or another. I think it would be unwise to to end it at the end of this year. And barring them, I mean, I guess if you go four and eight, you can make that case. But would they be okay with him starting two and five next year? Probably not. But that's probably probably what they're starting. Yeah. Um, I just worry about it. If, if you're, if you think Matt Luke needs to be fired and you let him go into next year, what happens when he goes six and six? Cause I mean, is he really that much better of a football coach? Cause he goes six and six instead of four and eight this year. You know, I, I don't know. We'll see. No, but the problem with some of these decisions is that what Ole Miss people don't think about and which would continually kill the school, when you're going to make a decision like that, you have to have the infrastructure around you to be able to absorb the decision, hire a better replacement, and for everything to continue working smoothly. So if you were to do that right now, who in the world's making the hire? Who in the world are you going to hire? Who is his boss? Like there's there's no the, the proper infrastructure to make a change like that is not currently in place. Could it get in place in the next two weeks and then have time to do that? Sure. But as of this moment, that that's just not realistic. Yeah. Like, that, that, there's no way to do it. Yeah. I mean, if they hire John Hartwell tomorrow, I mean, sure, that's plenty of time. Um, but otherwise, I mean, you're right that there, there, there's who's going to find a football coach who's going to fire the football coach who's going to you know, be the interim coach. I mean, there, there's a lot of different scenarios that, that frankly. Oh, and they, they also have no money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, back when in the summer when they were, people were wanting the baseball coach fired, they didn't know if they had the money to buy out the baseball coach. So, and we're not talking about football staffs here, which are exponentially more expensive. Yeah. So that's just the, if everything was in perfect scenario, they had a, they had a athletic director, they, we're not short on bowl revenue, all that stuff. Would it be a different conversation as far as his future after this year? Yeah, absolutely. But I think he's getting the benefit from just total chaos above him. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. Um, I think that's all the mailbag questions. Let me check elsewhere. Are you going to have Jim put hood on your podcast next week is the mailbag question. Um, I'm going to go with a firm no. Yeah, I'm probably not having Jim Hood on the podcast. Um, <laughs> the person who asked that knows exactly why they asked that, and I appreciate them for it. So anyway, that's just going to leave there. Um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, let's see. I guess let's get to the picks. Let's get to the LB's pick them. Go see Greg University Avenue. Across from Kroger, they've got all kinds of stuff. It's grilling season. Every time I feel like I've said that this week, it's been raining. So eventually the sun's going to come back out. It's going to be 65 and sunny. You're going to have a fire on the back porch, something like that. Well, help, let Greg help you decide what to throw on the grill. They've got steaks. they got custom cuts. He's got seafood, sausages, anything you want for your grilling needs. Greg's got you. If you want to go get lunch in Oxford, this is a great lunch spot, too. They've got plate lunches. They've got daily specials. They've got all kinds of stuff. Greg's always got something something cooking in the kitchen. And also, he gets you rich in Las Vegas because he is a, uh, he is a gambling sharp, apparently. So go see Greg for all of your gambling and meat needs. Uh, Greg and LB's has the meats. So anyway, I guess let's get to these picks. All right, let's do it. Um, hold on, let me pull them up. I'll pull up uh, college. I completely screwed up. I have Greg's college picks, and I completely forgot to send his NFL ones, so I'll have to uh, have to get those when I talk to him today. Um, but I have his college ones. All right. What is his record again? Uh, let me pull it up. Let's see. Greg is 30 and 20. Good Lord. I, my, my record's better, thank you very much. Yeah, but like Greg, after two weeks, just coming in hot. <laughs> All right, let's pull up these SEC lines. All right, uh, State is catching 11 in College Station tomorrow at 11 a.m. Oh, God. Um, State, I'm wanting to hate myself. 
I swore, though, after the Tennessee game, I swore to hate that I'd never pick State again because I've been burned like four times by them. But whatever, I'll ride them out one more time. I think that's probably a close game. I think they're going to have to show some kind of fighter. That's really going to turn into a toxic situation. So I'll go Mississippi State as well, plus 11. I, uh, oh, go ahead. I was, they're in a decent spot if they like they're in an okay-ish spot if they win that game. I don't necessarily see this, but man, if they lose, their margin for error as far as making a bowl is gone. They have to beat our Ole Miss. They have to beat Ole Miss and Arkansas, and of course Abilene Christian. But like this is the last breathing room opportunity yep. for them. Yep. Um, Auburn catching ten and a half in Baton Rouge. <sighs> LSU. Yeah, I think Auburn's going to keep this close for a while defensively, but I think Bo Nix is going to make a couple of crippling mistakes, and LSU runs away with it late. Yep, South Carolina minus four and a half in Knoxville. I am taking the Gamecocks. Yeah, South Carolina's playing a lot better. Like norm, like I, a couple weeks ago, I thought this might be a spot where Tennessee, if they improved at all, could maybe get a kind of win. I uh, I don't necessarily see that. I think South Carolina's playing pretty good football. Very Arch- shorthanded, too. Arkansas is catching 32 in Tuscaloosa. I'm taking the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, Mac Jones, I don't really know what to make of it. This is probably dumb, but good Lord, what would this line be with Tua? It'd be in the 40s, I think. Yep, yep, it would be. Uh, The Kentucky Wildcats are catching 10 at home against Missouri. I am taking Kentucky. Yeah, me too. Uh, The guy that we have on our radio show actually said he thinks Kentucky wins the game outright. Um, Lee Sterling, go see his picks. Um. Yeah, I'll do Kentucky as well. All right. That is uh, all the SEC games. Okay. Um, What about Syracuse? No, that's not a good one. Um, Duke, North Carolina. North Carolina is a field goal favorite at home. I think I'm going to – I would go Duke there. Uh, I'm going to go North Carolina. Penn State minus five at Michigan State. (sighs) Michigan State, just because Michigan State plays really good defense. That line doesn't make any sense. I'll take Sparty. Texas is a one-point road favorite at TCU. I think Texas bounced back. They lost to two really good teams. Yeah, I'm with you. Texas wins that game. Notre Dame, Michigan's a pick in Ann Arbor. Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. Although, if Harbaugh loses that one, like, good Lord, man, you got to win some kind of big-ish game soon. Do you? I mean, if he wants to – like, I think he gets another one more year regardless, but, like, man, that's a that's going to turn into a really bad look. Um – Oregon plus 14, or excuse me, Washington State plus 14 at Oregon. I was going to say, if I'm catching uh, Oregon plus four, 14, we're going to Vegas. Yeah, no. Uh, I think actually Mike Leach will probably make this a little bit interesting. He always like scores enough in games like this to where it's not really in doubt, but it kind of is. Yeah, I'm with you, uh, Washington State. I'll take my two touchdowns. Arizona's plus one and a half at Stanford. Oh, my God. Arizona, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. I know nothing about that game or any of those teams. I think that's enough for college. Uh, I don't see any other games that are... Oh, Liberty minus 7.5 at Rutgers. What a line. Yeah, I think Freeze covers that one. Minus 7.5 at a Big Ten school. Yep. What? That that one just kind of blows my mind. Hopefully uh, Joe Moorhead will get that fixed. Anyway. Rutgers terrible, man. Yeah, they are. They are very bad. Um, I would think he would take that job if it's offered to him. Oh, he's absolutely taking that job. Yeah, I mean, you get a, you get a look. Coaches like, like, like everyone. We had people texted into the radio show yesterday. It was like, why would he leave a SEC West job for Rutgers? Like, newsflash: coaches don't look at it like that. They look at it for how long they're going to collect a seven-figure paycheck, and. Yep. You get a reset after things are going south-ish pretty quickly in Starkville. You go to an easier conference but a harder job, and you're probably getting a half decade because whoever takes over that job is going to have to give in five years, just yep. minimum. And so, God, if you win, you're going to go somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So I, 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 yeah, exactly. So coaches are always looking for a restart in an industry where you're either fired or about to be fired, and somewhere in between. So that's more so how they look at it. Anyway. Uh, the Giants are six and a half point underdogs at Detroit. Uh, the Giants. I'll go Detroit. Um, Titans minus two and a half at home against the Bucks. Titans. What did you say? Titans. Yeah, I just I can't in good faith say anything. I, I can't ride with Jameis Winston. The Bears are minus three and a half at home against the Chargers. I'll probably go the Chargers, even yeah. though I don't think either of these teams are very good. Yeah, I'm taking the Chargers and hating myself. 
it's over for Trubisky. Like they yeah. already like are telling you what they think of him. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's done. Uh, Colin Coward made a compelling argument for them to go trade and go get Teddy Bridgewater, and I didn't hate it at all. Yeah, the Saints uh, are stupid to do that though, because you you can't lose Bridgewater with Breeze being. I mean, he takes one shot to his thumb, he's done. No, but from a Bears perspective, it makes sense. Um, if I'm the Bears, I go get Eli Manning. Jacksonville is minus six and a half at home against the Jets. The Jets. Yeah, I'd go to the Jets too. That's a lot. Um, Buffalo minus two against Philadelphia. I'm done with Philadelphia. Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. yeah Philly's done. Uh, L.A. Rams minus 13 at home against the Bengals. Uh, Bengals are one of the worst teams I've ever that's, seen. That's that's in London or in Cincinnati? Uh, that's correct. No, no, no. That's London. That's in London. Um, yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the Rams. Saints minus 10 at home against uh Arizona. I'll go with Kingsbury and the uh, Cardinals. Why not? Ten points. They've won three in a row. They're three and three. Oh, I'm going to take the Saints. and I don't know. That, that one's going to be a toss-up either way. Houston minus six and a half at home against the Raiders. Uh, the Texans. I'm going to go Derek Carr and the Raiders. I don't think Houston's going to be disappointed enough to actually put that game away when they should and it gets close late. San Francisco minus six against Carolina at home. Uh, Carolina. Yeah, I think that's probably a field goal game that I think the Niners win, so I'll go Carolina as well. Denver is catching five against Indianapolis. I'm going to go Indy. They're really good. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree, uh, Indy. Browns plus 12 at New England. I think I'd probably actually go Baker Mayfield and the Browns here. I'm going to take New England because nobody gets rich betting against the Patriots. Chiefs plus three and a half at home against the Packers. That's, I'm guessing, banking that Mahomes isn't playing because I benched him in fantasy this week, even though they said it's possible he plays. So I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I'm going to take the Chiefs. Okay. Um, then Monday Night Football is another thriller. You've got Pittsburgh minus 14 with the backup quarterback against the Dolphins. Whatever, I'll go Pittsburgh. I have no idea. Who, the, who in the world would bet on the uh, Dolphins? Um, yeah, run through Greg's college picks, though, because these are the ones people actually want to hear. Yeah, I uh, I just got the SEC ones out because I was going to see what else we pick, and I text him today and get his other ones. He liked Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Texas A&M. Okay, so take those to the bank because Greg has obviously been successful through two weeks. So that is, uh, I think that's everything we've got today. Oh, the 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 Nationals are up two nothing, and that I don't know if that's over because the the. The Astros have the ability to turn a series fairly quickly and are probably the more talented team. But, man, things are really crashing down around them. They uh, they, they reversed their karma yesterday, though. Yeah, so they fired the assistant GM. We've got in that whole story on Wednesday. I'm sure most of you listening are familiar with it. Um, I mean, they did the right thing after it was probably the socially acceptable window to do it. So I guess good on them for doing that. But I don't think they deserve too much credit for that. Um at the same time, I'm not even sure how much big believer I am in karma. I think they're just to- – I think they're screwed. Yeah, I mean, they can win tonight. If they win tonight, I mean, they're back in it because I would think that, you know, they're, they're probably better than Corbin. Um, he's left-handed. They tear up left-handed pitchers. I think tonight, uh, frankly, tells the series. I think if they win tonight, this thing's going back to Houston. And if it goes back to Houston, then it's all be- all bets are off. Yeah, I would agree. It's been a fascinating World Series. That implosion in the seventh inning was almost just jaw-droppingly shocking. I didn't see that at all. I I didn't watch the seventh inning, but apparently Bregman just lost his mind. Um, wait, what do you mean? Well, I I just saw on Twitter that uh, people were making fun of him, said he cost his team like four runs or something in that inning. Uh, I don't think so. I'm pulling it up. I'm trying to figure out what he's talking about, because it started off with a it started off with a home run. Right. I'm pulling. Let's see the seventh inning. You had a home run, a double, a home run. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what they're talking about. All right. Uh, maybe 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 I'm wrong. Um, Ron Zimmerman singles on a ground ball to Alex Bregman. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just saw somebody uh, making fun of Bregman for not playing well. I just kind of figured he he had a bad inning. 
No, I think their bull, their bullpen just Verlander kind of ran out of gas, and then their bullpen just kind of imploded. Um, but their bullpen's anyway, not great right now. Yeah, neither is Washington. So that'll be interesting to watch. Game three is tonight at seven, I think something like that. So be looking forward to that. We got football across all over the weekend. Uh, we'll be back at it on Monday. We'll have an intro to the podcast, so it'll be like a brand new show. Um, so be looking forward to that. I'll be back in the studio, uh, but I'm going to get out of here and do nothing on this bye weekend. Sounds good. All right. For Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Rate and review the podcast. Leave us four or five stars, and you can say whatever you want in the comments, but we appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you guys leaving reviews, subscribing to the podcast. Uh, one more time, go see Greg at LB's across from University Avenue, across from Kroger. It's grilling season. Let Greg and LB's help you put whatever you want on the grill. It's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. We appreciate Greg's partnership. Uh, Hopefully we'll have him back on the show next Friday if we can make that happen. I was just kind of out of pocket this week away from the studio. But we'll be back at it on Monday. Thanks for listening. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.